This is a story of an amazing daughter and her life ended too soon, but lives on through organ donation. We'll be telling her story and her amazing life with her mother, Jaquel Sherrard. Jaquel, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about your amazing daughter, Danae Nash. Thank you, Marion. It's a pleasure to be here with you today and talk about Danae. So tell us a little bit. It's interesting. I typically find similarities in my guests, right? And so my daughter was born January 16th, 1999. Your daughter was born June 3rd, 1999. We have these amazing daughters. Tell me a little bit about Danae. Sure. So Danae, her big thing was basketball. So she played basketball from about first grade through her freshman year in college. Uh, She was just so much fun. Even as a little kid, she was never a problem. She always wanted to do stuff. She is the total opposite of me, where I'm not a talker, don't really like to talk. And she would talk to anyone. We would go to the store. She'd find somebody. She would talk. We would, wherever we were at, she would talk. So for me, it was uncomfortable, but Of course, I got used to it because everywhere we went, she would strike up a conversation. She loved animals. We did a lot of traveling together. She liked that. Uh, She was a big foodie. So she would go on Yelp a lot of times and find restaurants. And she's like, hey, mom, can we go try this restaurant when you're done with work? So she got me to do like try different foods that I know I'm really probably wouldn't try try different places of the city just to do something different. So she was very outgoing, very witty, and just all around great girl, beautiful inside and out. I think that's a characteristic of the Gen Ys in that (laughs) they're very different from their mothers. My daughter, on the one hand, had very good talent as a basketball player, but did not want to play. So she... (laughs) And it drove my husband to distraction because he was her coach. But I think that's that uh, father and daughter thing. And she just didn't want to do it. So I'm so pleased to hear that Danae uh, was a basketball star and legend. And that even in her short life, there's so many things. I've read all the obituaries. I read all the stories about her. And there was a star quality about her that was a quiet strength, I believe, from hearing everything. Tell us a little bit about just her giving, because her giving even transpired after she passed. And so tell us a little bit about that quiet strength that she had. A lot of times, and I think it's like you said, Marion, it's the different generations. So you would think she's not paying attention or she's not listening and, you know, you feel frustrated. But then once I really got to like watch her, she was listening and she heard what you said and she would give the shirt off her back to anyone. Any of her friends, they would call her, let's say they broke up with a boyfriend, whatever, they were struggling at home. She had this way of like giving advice that was I'm like, you're so young to be able to be neutral and give advice and not just jump on somebody's side just because they felt wronged. She was able to look at the whole picture. And I think that's what gravitated people towards her is that she was honest 
it may hurt your feelings a little bit, but she was honest and (laughs) would tell you, you know, hey, I don't think that was right what you did, or hey, you had every right to do that because of X, Y, Z. And I think a lot of people as adults probably saw her as like not wanting something or not wanting to be somewhere or not doing what they think she should, but she was doing it just in her own way. I totally understand that (laughs) because I think a lot of people take these types of children for granted and thinking to your point, they're not listening, but these children march to, to their own beat of their own drum. And so I think that is something that was very unique about Danae. I know this is going to be a a, a difficult question, but losing a husband is very different than losing a child. And so I just want to know, how are you doing and how did you get through this? And not that you ever get through it, but how are you managing this? It is, of course, devastating because you never, you never think you're going to outlive your child ever. You know, it's just evolution. You're you're going to go first and then, you know, your kids are there, your grandkids, whatever. So it's, I don't think it's something I'll ever get over. It's just some days, one day at a time, one hour at a time, just to get through. So when this happened, I did not go back to work for probably a year and a half because it just rocks your world so much. And it's like, how are you going to go on? So I'll tell you, it's a lot of therapy. I do a lot of working out at Orange Theory just to get your brain moving, even for an hour. It's a safe place to go to venture frustrations or whatever bad day that you've had. Um, I have a small group of really good friends that have supported me. You know, they don't ask questions. It's more of if I bring up Danae, they're more than willing to talk about it, but they're not pushing. They don't ask me a million questions. It's kind of at my pace. And, you know, you need that. You need your friends that you can go to and just talk about something silly just to keep your mind off of your reality for the rest of your life. And her being my only child, I feel like it's really a struggle because you don't have someone else to lean on as far as another child to kind of take some of that pain away. And maybe that's not the right way to say it, but you know, I kind of look at it that way is you don't, you're just kind of alone and you don't have that best friend that you had. No, I get it. Uh, Because I was with my husband, we were riding our bikes uh, when he had his heart attack and I totally understand. And then I had to make the phone call to my daughter and to get her back from New York. And so I understand having that person that can help you get through this. I talked to a donor husband the other day. He and his wife had lost their son 20 years ago. And now the wife had passed. And he said, you know, it's different. He said, because when we lost our child, we had each other to lean on. And now that I've lost her, I don't have anybody to go through this with. And so I will need you all to support me through this. And I thought that was very profound to think about it in that way. So I completely understand that. So a question for you, what was it like the day you got the phone call that something had happened to Danae? Oh, that's so we were living in Georgia 
her accident happened up here. And so I get the phone call and it, I honestly, it's all a blur, but it was, you know, she's in the ICU. So I'm like, okay. And then they're like, we need to have a social worker call you back. So right away, I'm like, this isn't good at all. I call my husband, he's at work, he leaves, the social worker hadn't called back. And so we were just kind of like packing our stuff because we knew we were going to have to leave and we're just figuring out, are we going to drive? Is one of us going to fly and the other one drive? What are we going to do? We get the call and yeah, it wasn't good. You know, they wouldn't tell us that over the phone, but they're like, we need you, you know, to come up here. So we're like, okay, we're in Georgia we're going to drive because we have the dog, of course. So we drive all We left like at probably seven, eight o'clock at night, drove all night and got to the hospital. And it's, it was just literally a blur, you know, that call, your heart just stops. But then part of you is like, oh, she's going to be okay. She's young. She'll be fine. It's going to be fine. But you, you know, but you kind of know in the back of your head, if a social worker's calling and then they FaceTimed us. I'm like, this isn't good. So yeah, it was one of those things where you're, you don't want to believe it, but you have to prepare yourself for the worst just in case. Okay. And had you and Danae had a conversation about being an organ donor? No. So this, well, so this is kind of the funny story. So three months prior to her accident, it was August and she had to renew her license. So She went from, you know, the little girl's license to the adult license. So she was excited about that. So she went in. This was still during COVID. So I waited in the car. She got back in. We get home. And she's like, hey, mom, guess what? And I was like, what? And she's like, I signed up to be an organ donor. I said, really? I said, do you understand what that means? And she's like, oh, yeah. So I was like, okay. And that's part of her personality as giving back, you know, and helping someone if she can. So I do want to give a huge thanks to the Secretary of State for Illinois because they asked the question. And I don't know that she would have signed up to be an organ donor if they hadn't asked. Not that she was selfish in that way, but, you know, you don't know. So having them ask and planting that seed with these young kids and even adults, I think is really important. Going back to that, she was like, yep, I know the responsibility of it and I want to be able to help somebody if I can. So that's how that happened. Awesome. And that, and that's what we like to hear is that one, that folks are asking and two, that people are having conversations about it. So at least you knew, right? And so I'm hoping that as you transition through this process, what was that like with the organ procurement organization? So it was probably the second or third day that we were in the ICU. I think it was the second day. And suddenly it popped in my head. I'm like, oh, she's an organ donor. So I went out and talked to the ICU nurse and I was like, I'm pretty sure Danae's an organ donor what do I need to do to make sure that her wish is fulfilled and she um, is able to donate her organs? And And the ICU nurse is like, actually, Gift of Hope is on call. If you want me to call them, they can come in and give you an overview of, you know, what they do and the process and things like that. So I was like, yes, please do, because 
she's not coming out of this, so I need to make sure that I fulfill her wishes. So I would think about 45 minutes later, Lakita came from Gift of Hope and uh, she pulled us, you know, into her office and kind of went through everything. And I'll be honest, I knew nothing about tissue donation at all. I, you know, you just think of organs and that's it. And so she educated me on the tissue and I donation. And I was like, yes, we are definitely whatever I need to sign. We will do it um, because I know Danae would want this. Thank you so much for saying that, because that is, you know, education piece that we have to continually to do and start the conversation, because they do ask you if you want to be an organ donor when you get to the DMV, but they don't mention organ and tissue donation. And so that's a a conversation and a narrative that we have to change. And so thank you so much for, one, having the conversation, but being open to organ and tissue and eye donation. That's uh, all encompassing. And thank you for being able to share your story with us, because I think it's important that folks see families that look like them in the process. Now, when you were having the conversation with your husband and and gathering your family, was your entire family on board with organ donation? It was just Bill and I, my husband, when we were in the room. And I, I think he was a little skeptical because, you know, you see these weird stories or hear them in the news about organ harvesting and all this. And I'm like, this isn't the same. This has this is not the same. So I think at first, but then Lakita was explaining and is like, you know, everything is tracked. Everything has an ID. So we know this of Danae's went to this person. So she made him feel at ease. I think of this is the process. This is how we know who gets what. And it's a continual open loop. And it's not something that once you do it, you can't know anything about. Um, I think that was more of his apprehension in the beginning, but he helped her see that, no, this is all open. You're not going to know the names of the people, but we can give you basically their age, their gender, what state they were in. So you'll always have that. Definitely. And you should also know that when you're ready or when the recipient is ready and you guys write to each other, you then can know each other's names and you can meet. Uh, We help facilitate that through our donor family services department. And uh, as you found out through participating in Hoops for Hope, that we really want to be able to share your story and continue to create a lasting legacy for Danae so that her giving is not in vain. And you will find that there are people who are very grateful. Uh, It was interesting about mm, three months after my husband passed, I got a letter from his cornea recipient and she was so excited to be able to see again, to be able to, to get back to what she was doing, which was creating quilts and blankets for unhoused men on the street. And so just a fantastic understanding of the power and the reach. And then I've since found out that my husband's tissues are in Australia, in London, in New Zealand. And so it's just a a great way to honor not only their wishes, but then to help you understand the far reaching repercussions that that has in being a donor. Yeah. And I had no idea that especially the tissue was like worldwide. I had no idea until they sent me the list of all the places that her tissue had been sent to. 
it was amazing. And then on Christmas Eve this year, I got a letter actually from a tissue recipient and he was was not going to be able to walk again without her donation. And he's able to hike and walk, play with his kids and just how much that enhanced his life. So it was amazing. It really was. I'm so glad to hear that. And so tell us a little bit about what it's been like for you now. So you've gone through the donation, you go home, and your life has dramatically changed. It's almost like when we have them, right? Yeah. We don't know what our life was like before them, right? We don't even remember what our life was like before them. And then you go home and your life has changed so completely to be able to live this life without them. How's that been for you? And how are you? You know, it's day by day. So I throw myself into a lot of things like doing um, stuff for Gift of Hope because I feel like Danae would want me to do that because she has given everything that she could. So that's the least that I can do is to volunteer with some things. But it's like, this is the analogy I use. It's like going from color to black and white after it happened because it's just, you just look around and your view of things is just shifted and things aren't the same. Things aren't as fun. You have to kind of force yourself to have fun, but then you feel guilty for having fun because, you know, that loved one isn't here anymore. My husband has been a rock because he's put, he puts up with a lot because some days, you know, some days I'm just, I'm really happy. Let's go to do this. The next day I could probably not get out of bed. So it's, you know, these ups and downs and he's able to navigate through it, you know, and just talk about it. Or even if it's just sitting in silence, but he's been a great support. And I should have probably mentioned that earlier when we were talking about how I'm coping, but it's a day by day, but it's better than it was, but you don't know a year from now, but I'm hoping it gradually gets better. I've started a foundation in her name back in Iowa where she went to school for scholarships. So I kind of throw myself into that, you know, to help keep her memory alive and her name out there. So it's called the Danae Nash Purple Hearts Foundation, and it's for two $1,000 scholarships for anyone, any student going to a community college or a trade school. It's for the Waterloo, Iowa Community School District. Um, They can apply based on their FAFSA and information like that. Danae, she liked school for the social. She didn't necessarily like it for the educational part. So she went to community college, you know, and so that's just, that was her. She's not like me or my husband where she's going to go to a four-year school. I knew she wasn't. So, hey, if you get your associates, fine, move on and go from there. So that's kind of why I geared it towards that because there's some kids that, you know, they want to be in aesthetics or welding or whatever it is. So it's, geared towards those students that aren't the traditional four-year college kids. If you had an opportunity to talk to your recipients, Danae's organs, Mm -hmm. what would that be like for you? I think it would be uh, kind of tough, but 
I would welcome it because I want to see who this went to. I'd like to know more about you, what your life is like. I know, obviously, that she helped save your life. Just what your life is like, how she's helped it, and just kind of what you're doing, how you're doing. That's really, and that your life is good and that you're able to do the things that you were able to do before. Mm-hmm. What organ and tissues were Danae able to donate? Liver and both kidneys. And then as far as tissue, I told them, take whatever they needed. Ligaments, tendons, skin, cornea. As you think about Danae's legacy and you think about what you want the world to know about her, what are some things that we should know about her as as a young woman, but then now we should know about her as an organ and tissue donor? Sure. So as a young woman, she was very witty. She was one of those, and I don't know if your daughter is too, but Twitter and TikTok. It was always, hey, mom, I read this on Twitter. And, you know, I would always laugh because I'm like, you know, there's more than just Twitter, but, you know, that's that Gen Y. They are into the social media. And she was very witty. I loved her sense of humor. She was always so humble. She never liked a lot of attention, but she was humble when she received the attention, if that makes sense. And just very graceful. Um, She would walk into a room and that smile would just light up a room and that laugh and people would just gravitate towards her. She always, I'm sure she had bad days, so don't get me wrong, but she never let that bother her. She always had a smile. She was always generous with her time and with her things. Um, If somebody needed something, she was always there to help them. Good or bad, she was always there. So I'm lucky to have her as a daughter. I really was. As far as an organ donation, she was young so and she was healthy and in great shape. So people receiving her organs, hopefully they live a long life because she was very young and very healthy and athletic. That's very important to know. Because, you know, often people think of donors and recipients as people who are really sick and, you know, something tragically happened to them. But to recognize that here is this amazing young daughter who was able to save and enhance all of these lives and particularly being a a woman of color. What would you say to families as we know all of the myths and misconceptions that people of color have surrounding systemic racism, access to care, health disparities? What would you say to families of color who may not opt for organ and tissue donation? I think you need to have like a serious conversation with your family, you know, before you're forced into like making a decision. And realizing that, you know, like Lakita told me, if you have a family member that's in need of an organ, they get bumped to the top of the list. So it's important to have those conversations to know that if you have another family member that needs an organ and your loved one is not going to make it, that's a perfect match right there. And they automatically get put to the top of the list. It's a conversation that needs to be had. I think we need to have more of it. Because people of color, yeah, we are very, can be very skeptical of things and thinking that the right thing isn't going to be done. But 
I truly, Gift of Hope was amazing. I mean, through the whole process, you keep us engaged and you help us heal. I mean, because if it wasn't for Gift of Hope and being able to volunteer with things or just attending activities, it would be that much tougher, I think. So conversations need to be had within the families of this is a good thing to do. Absolutely. And yes, directed donation is is an amazing thing if we know in advance, right? So we can not only support altruistically, we can also support your loved ones or your family members. And, you know, I'm proud to be able to have the donor family services under my purview, right? At Gift of Hope. It's a group. It's a family no one wants to be a part of, right? It's You just don't want to. But when you do, I am so proud of my team for being able to really support all facets and myriads of donor families through their journey. And so we're just honored to be able to support you through this journey. And I think that's why Gift of Hope will always be in my heart forever. If you had anything to say to our audience about being a mom and a dad and the loss of your child, what would you say and how would you help people to navigate this space? I would say take it at your pace. No one can tell you, oh, you should be over this by now. You'll never get over it, um, whether it's you know like you with a spouse or a child or a grandparent take it at your pace. Only you know how to get to that next day. And it's it's a struggle every day. I'm not going to lie because there's days that, you know, you just have to force yourself to get through the day. And it's like, Jaquel, just make it to tomorrow. Just make it to Wednesday, make it to Thursday. And see someone professionally because you can easily be in such a depressed mode that you can't get out of it. And know, and lean on your family, lean on your friends, because it's not going to be easy. The pain never goes away, but you can manage it if you have a good support system. Um, and I think that's the biggest key is having the support system, having Gift of Hope, and knowing that Gift of Hope is not going to forget Danae, that she's important to Gift of Hope, and lean on that. You know, there's some things that, like you have the support group now, that's amazing. And you don't, you can just sit and listen or you can participate. So it's not like you have to, you know, share your story because sometimes you can't, sometimes you just have to listen and you feel better when you come out of it. And that's something that's no charge. If you don't, you know, have insurance or anything, I think that helps. And just trying to move on with your life without that loved one. They would want you to be happy. They would want you to move on with your life and not just be stuck in this depression and anxiety and everything like that. They want you to live your life. I think that's the biggest thing. And i that's how I think I get through the days knowing Danae would want me to be happy. Danae would want me to continue my life and have fun. Well, Jaquel, this has been my pleasure and an honor to be able to talk to you today about your amazing daughter, Danae, and to continue her life and her legacy through organ and tissue donation. Thank you, Marian. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Hope. 
a podcast devoted to sharing stories and turning tragedies into triumphs. We encourage you to start the conversation about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones today, and please make your wishes known. You can register to become a donor at giftofhope.org. And if you like what you've heard today, we hope that you'll listen again wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Let's Talk Hope was produced by Rivet. And if you'd like to hear more great podcasts, please visit rivet360.com.